Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 393 of Longbox Heroes. Joe here, along with Todd. Todd, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic, sir. That is good to hear. Uh, I'm not going to start the show with weather talk. Whether or not we're going to do the show? Mm-hmm. Well, no, we're always going to do the show, except for that oh, okay. one time. That one time, we won't mention. Wasn't there two times? Uh, but wasn't we... it like the show was just a day late or something? I think so. I think the show's been late twice, and we've missed one week in the entire history of the show. We missed one week, and then there was a gap between the old show and the new show. That doesn't count. That was due to rebranding. To a regeneration, right. Right. That was kind of like a superstar shakeup sort of thing. Right. Regeneration sickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, a regeneration shakeup? That would be fine. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you know we're the uh, we're the Iron Men of uh, podcasting. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I'm the War Machine. You're the Tony Stark. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of the uh, the Black Sabbath song, but that's you know the, like I was thinking like the Road Warriors, you know Hawk um, and Animal. I thought you meant Mel Gibson. No, or at least at least the Blade Runners. Oh, Rock and okay. Sting. No. All right. I don't know. Hopefully wrestling will come up again. I'm certain that some sort of Simpsons thing will trigger us later on the show. We didn't even talk about that, and I don't want to. I don't blame you. I don't want to. Should have mentioned that on After Dark, but we touched on enough touchy subjects over on After Dark. (laughs) True. Or will. I don't know how this works. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, Joe. Hey, let's do this show, Todd. All right, if you say so. All right, so we got some news to discuss, uh, some big goings-on from DC uh, spilling out of C2E2. And Todd, exactly whose fault is it that digital comics are priced that people want to purchase them? Who's to blame for such a monstrosity? I'm going to blame it becoming a business, but that's it. Right. Uh, We've got a ton of conventions this weekend, a very busy convention at the... You know, the weather's getting nice. Didn't want to talk about the weather, but here we are. <laughs> so a lot of places are having a lot more conventions. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, I, I'll have a question about that, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, digital sales and freebies. Again, tons and tons of sales. Uh, what we read last week, which is actually connected to the news, <laughs> with Batman number 44 and Deathstroke uh, number 30, uh, along with what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Um, you know, Todd's Art Attack, we're going to peek over there, and uh, to end off the show, we're going to have discussion of the latest episode of Krypton, and the season finale of Legends of Tomorrow. Yes. So, uh, some of the things that were uh, coming out of C2E2 this past week, uh, not a ton of announcements of new books or anything else like that, but one notable one uh, would be spinning out of the current Batman storyline is a Catwoman ongoing, uh, written and drawn by Joelle Jones, 
who has done some art here and there in the current Batman book written by Tom King. Uh, she also did a creator-owned, I guess, written and drawn thing over at Dark Horse called Lady Killer that's really good. And uh, I, I don't think I've been this excited for a Catwoman solo book ever. Not even when Ed Brubaker was doing it? That was before Brubaker was on my radar. See, I I was the same way. I, I, I've never read any of the Brubaker cap or cap cat because uh, that was before he was like the Brubaker we know and love now that we would get anything. So um, I didn't read it. So I guess this would be the most excited I am for a cat book, too. I've ever been for a cat book also. Now, if you would have told me, Todd, six months ago. That not only would there be a Catwoman solo book coming out, but that I would be excited to get it. Oh, I wouldn't believe you, Todd. So now is this tying in with the the, the Star Wars movie, the Catwoman solo? Oh, no, yes. I don't think so. Uh, it okay. is coming out the same day as Batman Fifty, and it is saying that you should read Batman Fifty first. Oh, cool. That I need to know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I like when they tell you that stuff. I like when they tell you that stuff, and I also like when you would open up, like, just in case you got something, especially, it's Mm. always nice when these things come out on the same day, right? Mm -hmm. And it's always nice when you open it up to that first page, and before you even get to the story, it'll be the big thing of, like, a character in the book saying, stop, before you read this, make sure that you've read that. Yep. Um, And they... uh, uh, the big two, when they do their crossovers, are a little bit more lax with doing that these days. They just kind of assume everyone knows what's going on. Now, will you and I remember this three and a half months from now when these two books come out? I'll already... certainly remind you. I was going to say, won't you have it on your spreadsheet in the notes section? Read this before... I've already forgotten what I'm supposed to read first. Right. Your, your spreadsheet will have it perfect for us. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that I want to mention, and we'll kind of talk a little bit more about this when we get to, uh, you know, Batman 44 that came out this past week that we read and we're going to discuss and everything else like that. Um, as we've discussed previously on the show, I was kind of down uh, on the, Bat- the, the Batman-Catwoman relationship. Mm-hmm. Tom King has built it up in a way that got me on board. Right. So I can only imagine, like, if you were on board for this relationship, this just strengthened your resolve. If you were not on board for this relationship, you're now on board for the relationship due to how well it was written. That being said, because it's so well written and because it's being worked so hard to get everyone on board, I think something is going to happen that they're not going to end up being married. Hmm. And the fact that this issue comes out the same day as Batman 50, which is a landmark, you know, any round number is a landmark, benchmark, whatever. And Mm -hmm. the fact that it says, uh, read Batman 50 first. And the fact that they're spitting Catwoman off into her solo, some would say her single series. (laughs) I think this further uh, confirms that for me. Now, am I cor- I'm I'm just speculating all of this. That's you're all. A specu- you're a speculator at this point? I'm a speculator in stories. I'm not a speculator in like, oh, I better buy 17 copies of Cat- Catwoman number one because it's going to be worth a million dollars. Right. Well, they will be, but this is my take on it. 
I have to I have to give you credit. There's a few times, you know, in in comic book history where I'm reading stuff and I'm like, they're really getting me with the will it happen or won't it happen? And I honestly don't know what's going to happen here because in the past I would have been, nope, they're never going to marry. They're never going to let Batman get married because it's just not going to happen. And now I think it may happen. I wouldn't be surprised if it does happen. I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't. But I think the more tragic thing that will happen is they will get married and the marriage will fail. And that would be the, that would be more tragic than it never happening. And that's where I think it's going to go. And I think the solo uh, or the single Catwoman uh, series is a little something to muddy the waters. Right, to cause confusion. Yes, and if, you know, you're selling big numbers with Batman, why not have, you know, the, the, the Catwoman title? She can have it. You're going to have a, you're going to have two Superman titles with Bendis, as, as you always do, action and, uh, you know, Superman, and they're going to be st- specializing on more of Clark's life in one book and more of Superman's in the other. So why can't you have, you know, while Batman's off fighting the Joker and, uh, Catwoman's like, hmm, I have to plan how to rob this without Batman knowing. I don't know. Just it could be anything other than that too. Right. Anytime that we could postulate or speculate on what's going on with the Batman Catwoman relationship is good for me. And Joel Jones is awesome. Right. Um, you know, I've mentioned it in passing before on the show. Um but her book Lady Killer is awesome and anytime her art pops up in anything really, it's always a treat and a delight. Except she uses the same earrings too much, Joe. Oh boy, those fancy special <laughs> earrings. That he can get at the, at the, what's the, uh, Boscovs. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess that's what, uh, one of the people we know who's at the comic shop found a, a pair that looked just like them, that, uh, Catwoman has and whatever in Lady Killers, but they look like the ones in, uh, that she got them at Boscovs, so. Want me to pick you up a pair? No, I'm okay. I don't, have, I don't even have my ear, ears pierced. If right, the cat- versions, I'd be okay with that. Mm, I think they just hang there. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, another Bat news, another DC news item that'll be touched on a little bit more when we get into what we read from this past week, and by we I mean Todd, uh, is apparently at a C2E2 panel, uh, Christopher P- Priest, who is currently writing the Deathstroke book, who began a storyline where Batman and Deathstroke are fighting, to see who Damien's dad is, you know, Batman's son Damien. Mm-hmm. Apparently they've decided to change this, and it's malleable, to uh, quote the writer Christopher P- Priest, uh, that he doesn't know yet. DC will decide and tell him who it is. Uh, mm-hmm. But he has urged fans to make their voices heard with DC, because they, the fans, pronouns pal, will have a huge impact. Yes. Okay. I don't know how I feel about this. To them, just all of a sudden retcon to be like, yeah, you know, uh, Damien, who's been introduced in the stories, I think, what, like, 11 years now, 10 years now? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we're just going to say, like, yeah, you know, Deathstroke's his dad now. Just because. Uh, are, are are you serious? <laughs> what? Okay, because... I am serious. I... Right, no, no, and I think you're overthinking this. Go ahead. Um, because this is a, this is them winding people up. If they decide to make Damien 
Deathstroke's son. It's going to be a, about as permanent as Hal Jordan being evil, um, you know, Dick Grayson being Batman. It's going to be as permanent as, you know, it's not. If it does happen, it's going to be for X amount of time, and then it will revert back to being Bruce Wayne's son. That's, I mean, it's a story. It's, it, do you know what I'm trying to say? I do know what you're trying to say, but maybe you're not understanding me. So, his father, his parentage, whoever Damien's going to be directly associated with. Mm-hmm. I'm taking this to mean, we have been told over the last 10 or 11 years, however long Damien has existed, that Bruce Wayne, Batman, kayfabe, is <laughs> his biological father. Right. DNA shared between these two people. Right. Now, they're going to say, no, Deathstroke is his biological father. That, changing your biological parentage, is a little bit different than putting on a different ring or putting on a different costume and then eventually taking it off or having the yellow impurity cured out of the Green Lantern battery. Nope, it's exactly the same. (laughs) It's exactly the same. Because they're just going to go, whatever happened... The information we had was forged, and you're actually Bruce Wayne's son. It's not that hard. Like, do you know what I'm saying? It's 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 a false. I do I believe that if they get information that says Damian Wayne is Deathstroke's biological son, that I'm gonna for seven months, sure I'll believe it. For two years, I'll believe it. But it's gonna come out, and it's gonna be retconned again that it was oh the Riddler. Fake Photoshop some DNA. I don't know if you could Photoshop DNA, but that's my take on it. And it's going to mean nothing. It's going to mean nothing. Okay. It's so. So, with that said, if it means nothing, why bother doing it? Because it's a story. It's to shake things up. That's all. A superstar shakeup? Yes, it's a superstar. It's a super sun shakeup. Ah. <sighs> I don't know. It just well, seems like a suspect thing to hang your hat on when you as a person who's reading it mm-hmm. is already going into this, essentially saying, no matter what the result of this is, what the story is hanging on, in seven months to two years, it's not going to matter anyway because they'll just flip it back to the other thing anyway. Right. I mean, sure, if you think about it that way, I mean, putting thing... On the Guardians of the Galaxy, I remember when that Not happened. The same. Not the same. It's thing. exactly the same because you know he's going back to the Fantastic Four at some point. But, okay. Now, gra- to me, someone joining a team is different than changing the biological parentage of someone. Maybe it's okay, me. How- maybe I'm the crazy one. Okay, how much? Yes, you are the crazy one on this. I am not backing down on this one. It's the same as making Hal Jordan a murderer murderer and going you know what that wasn't what you thought it was there's a way around it there's a way out of it and there will be a way to change it back that is completely plausible in a world where aliens from another planet come here and fly because of a different colored sun that's the way i look at this now i will say this i will take back everything i said if they decide to do a a 900 number to decide all right that would be fantastic then I'm on board. 
I was thinking the exact same thing. And then uh, Jim Starlin could get all mad because he gets blamed for that. For Do you remember Jim Starlin wrote those issues? People forget that. Yeah, I, like again, artist. it's, um, you know, obviously because his cosmic stuff is so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, that everyone remembers him from for that, but after like post, um, year one, I think that he do, did Starlin do year two Batman. I don't. I remember. definitely think he did year three. Mm, I know that was that year three was in Detective though, wasn't it? Wasn't that like a Todd McFarlane cover? Year three, the Reaper. Hmm. Mm. But I know it was it wasn't very long after year one that Jim Starlin had a very long run on the Bat books. Right. And then he did he wrote the the issue where it's like, oh, the nine hundred number. And then when it didn't go well with people because they had killed James J, uh Jason Todd, DC kinda threw Jim Starlin under the bus, like like, oh Jim Starlin wrote that issue, even though it wasn't like his decree or whatever, and that was his falling out with uh DC, which he seems to have with many companies over time, but that was when he fell out with DC. Right. Oh. So, uh, again, I'm I'm getting a little worked up over nothing because I'm not even reading the book and I don't really care. It just seems like it's um a weird story to be telling. Right. That's all. And one one last one, were you this upset when they when they made Bane's parentage maybe Bruce Wayne's father? No, because Because they could change it back and it doesn't matter and all those other excuses you're going to make. I'm sorry, was that out loud? Because it, there's a difference between Bane and Damon. <laughs> okay. Right, it's the same thing but different characters, got it. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Uh, it is different to me. At least. Sure. sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, uh, moving on to the news, there was. Uh, I guess we've discussed it quite a bit on the show. You know, when we get into the digital sales and freebies, of course, there's the long-standing sale that's been going on where all of those Marvel trades were, like, at super low prices, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can get the entire run of Tom King's Vision for, like, 99 cents, and they said it was for a limited time only, and then about a week or so ago, they changed it from a ton of books to just, like, 20 books, but still a bunch of books. Well, apparently, I missed this in my looking at it, but that uh, big, giant Jim Starlin... uh Again, his name comes up, Thanos Infinity Siblings hardcover that came out last week. Right. Was also part of that 99-cent sale last week. Yes, when it wasn't even, as they said in some places, the doors weren't even open in the comic shops yet to sell the hardcover. It was 99 cents on Comixology and stuff like that. Right. So, obviously, this was something that was brought up at the Retailer Summit. It was part of C2E2. Uh, C.B. Sibolsky said uh, that this is not a Marvel decision, that they sell the comics to Comixology, and it's Comixology through Amazon that makes the decision. Um, And, quote, Comixology is the one selling them at a loss. Um, So, I don't know how I feel about this. I wanted to bring it up on the show. 
Okay. It just seems like Marvel is taking a very odd stance in this and saying that, like, hey, we have nothing to do with these great deals that we're passing, that Comixology is passing along to you, the consumer, to try to get you to read stuff. Now, obviously, glitches happen and errors happen where something will get priced the wrong thing. You know, we mentioned in one of the sales where it claimed a sale was supposed to be over April 1st, but as of, like, April whatever, the, there were certain books that were still part of the sale. Right. And glitches like that happen, you know, when it's a bunch of ones and zeros behind the scenes, things can get overlooked. Um, but it just seems that uh, odd for Marvel to say, like, yeah, we have nothing to do with making these decisions to sell, to do sales on our stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a theory on all this. Okay, what's your theory? Because let's, let's get into it. All right. So, I've, I don't... W- w- the one thing is uh, that I honestly believe, and then I'm not sure if Marvel's in bed with this, but I'll get to them in a second, is Comixology and Amazon and all that selling these 99 cents, especially like something that's brand new, like the Thanos hardcover, and just like putting the screws to the retailers. I honestly think they're like, what do we got to lose? We have a product that costs us absolutely nothing. To, to come in, like we buy them. Who knows what Marvel sells them to them at? Uh, we have no overhead on it or whatever. Let's sell them really, really low. And they're really trying to put the screws to retailers, put them out of business. And then they have the business lock, stock, and barrel. Now, Marvel saying what they're saying, like they do this, whether Marvel's in bed with them doing it or Marvel's just trying to save face with the retailers because they want their money too, I don't know. But I think Comixology and all this, like digital stuff is going for the brass ring right now. Now, the question I would have that is, if digital is going for the brass ring, Mm -hmm. why are they only doing it with Marvel? Why are they not doing similar sales with mm. every publisher? Maybe they have contracts that are different. Okay, right. So, how come every other publisher has a different contract except for Marvel? Because they have the worst lawyers. I don't know. Right. So, it, it just see And if Marvel, as you're saying, Comixology has no overhead... You know, who knows what they're getting this. And obviously, they're getting a license. They pay for a license from Marvel to sell their books. You know, Marvel has their own setup store that goes through Comixology. And everybody over the last several years has finally gotten on board. And everybody is selling their stuff through Comixology because you really had no choice. But to say that Mar like... To, to me, it seems like Marvel saying that they had no say in this decision, and then to take a shot at Comixology kind of backhandedly, saying like, oh, if they want to sell these books at a loss, that's their problem. Mm-hmm. Like, Comixology is just as much as your partner as Diamond is, as the retailers are. Right. But, like, like if you want to go down that road, it's a really screwed up distribution system. Like, Diamond is... It just seems, at least with digital, there's more outsourcing. Like, you could get it from Amazon, or you can get it from Comixology. Where I look at Diamond, and Diamond's like a monopoly. So, like, re, like the this distribution of comics has always been a very weird thing, especially since Diamond took hold of the actual physical uh, copies. So, I... I don't I don't know what's going on here, but it, to me it's just like par for the course in 
getting comics. It's it's always been screwed up, and it always will be. Right, and you know, there's obviously been stories all over the place. Um, you know, over the last four months, last six months, whatever it is, of many stores closing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it seems like there's not a week that goes by, at least, of some major store or like some comic book retailer that decided to branch out and open up a second or third store or whatever it is, and then now all of a sudden they had to close mm-hmm. that second or third store. Right. So the physical retail market obviously is, you know, having some issues. Maybe Marvel, instead of taking shots at Comixology, should do more to help the retailers. I agree. And maybe if Comixology is such a bad partner that they could take shots at, then maybe they should drop the price of the physical books and take those digital codes out of the books to stop sending people to Comixology. But there are people who don't, who only buy digital. Okay, right. But for every, one would have to assume for every person that buys a physical book that has a digital code in it, Mm-hmm. there's got to be at least one or two or three people out of ten, let's say, that maybe eventually make the decision that they go, they put their code into Redeem, and they see some sort of sale, and then they re- they, they're they now awoken to the ease of digital comic books. Or, hmm. say, they're one of the folks that live in the town where their local shop went out of business. Right. And they're like, well, I have all these digital codes to redeem. Do I go look for another comic shop, or do I just go strictly digital? Like, my hand is being forced. True. I mean, but then that's the whole thing of how many actual physical comic shops are there. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to find. I, I don't know. I, I th- th- As we always joke on the show, like, these are above my pay grade. Mm-hmm. I just want to be able to get my comics and read them. That's all I want. Right, and listen, I I know you are not a digital guy, and I'm not a digital guy, but I do, I would say maybe about 5% of the books that I have, I've redeemed those codes that come in my Marvel books. And when there is a sale on something, you know, that I like quite a bit, I do get that as well on the sale. You know, if it's too good to pass up. Like, I have the Tom King Vision book in print. I have the hardcover, and I have the digital books. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that good of a book that I'm okay with having it in triplicate like that. And there were those days where I would have a lot more stuff in the physical copies, in the trades, in the hardcovers, and in the digital stuff. And I don't see in my time um, as a comic book collector that I would ever go full digital. The thought does come into my head every now and then, but it would be a very long and arduous process to do that. But it's not as long and hard as an, uh, a process for the up-and-coming comic book collector. And, you know, obviously I think that's what Marvel needs to be worried about, is they need to cultivate that future audience to actually buy physical books from an actual comic book store. I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know, because I think any retail, uh, any comp, comic company would rather not honestly would rather that there not be physical copies being sold because that costs money Mm -hmm. to print, to make, to send 
everything. They would ra- you got to reprint them sometimes when they sell out. They would rather just go strictly digital, sell them cheaper. I, I, that's the way I look at it. So I think it's all a big conspiracy, a C-O-N-spiracy. You definitely, you, you think so? Uh, I think there's a part of them that I wouldn't say they would ever come out and say it, or it's like 100% active to do it, but they do try to undermine the comic shops in that they, they don't care if they close because digital is the future. Uh, hence the the or the way they make them j- jump through hoops to order, and they do all this stuff, and it just seems like it's never anything the companies do are is never in the physical brick and mortar comic shops favor, and they don't care because they're looking down the line. The company that owns Spider Man, Superman, any of them, they're not going out of business because there's no comic shops. If that happens, they will be fine. So they really don't care. I wouldn't say they're actively doing it, but they don't care if if comic shops go out of business. In my humble opinion, mm-hmm. the day that any pub any major publisher stops doing incentive variant covers is the day they officially stop caring about the local shops. Okay, because they know even if overall individual sales of physical books go down. Mm-hmm. They know those incentive covers still have a market. Right, but that's not caring about the shops. That's caring about money. Well, how are you going to sell those books if there's no shops? But if they're not selling the books to people, if the books aren't nobody's going to – it's it's like a chicken or an egg thing. You know what I'm trying to say? I do. It's like there's, there's going to come a point where they're going to be like, we're not able to keep doing this because nobody's buying the books that aren't selling the multiples. It's like the 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 the, the schmoes in this are the retailers who fall for that. And as long as they got them, when they stop falling for it, and it all comes crumbling down, like I said, Marvel or DC is not going to care. They're like, we're just going to move everything over to digital. It's it's all going to it's all in the retailers' hands. And uh, not the retail, uh, yes, the comic retailer's hands. And that's where it has, it's going to be solved or destroyed on that. That, I, I don't know if I, like, I'm making any sense at this point. You are. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to happen in you or I's lifetime. Ooh, since I don't think I have that much lifetime left, maybe yours. But I, I don't think it's, it's that far, I don't think it's as far in the future as we think. Let's put it that way. Right. Woof, I'm tired after that one. All right, well, con news, Todd. There's a bunch of conventions <laughs> happening this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Green Mountain Comic Expo in Barrie, Vermont. Hopefully it'll be nice, creamy weather up there. You can go and enjoy yourself <laughs> a soft-serve cone. Uh, there's the Infinity Con in Lake City, Florida. The Yellow City Con in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, while you're there, go stop by the Double Cross Ranch. See if the, uh, the Funkers there. Hashtag I'm not, sorry, I'm not buying. Hashtag my Texas Broncos shirt that I got the other day. The Denver Broncos? No, Terry Funk Texas Broncos shirt. Ugh. A bunch of stickers. It was awesome. Um, but there's a bunch of other cons going on. Uh, there's the Denver Indie Comics and Art Expo. Dink Denver, if you will. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, James O'Barr is going to be there. Jeff Lemire, Joe Kelly are going to be there. There's the SAC Comic Book Con, and that's just S-A-C. Uh, in Sacramento, uh, Chris Claremont, Derek Robertson, Ron Lim, Dan Brereton, Scott Collins. Somebody uh, get me a, a Derek Robertson Transmet uh, commission while they're there. All right. Uh, the Big Apple Comic Book Con, uh, John Cassaday is going to be there. Uh, 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 Jim Steranko is going to be there. Asad Ribic, Peter David, Glenn Fabry is going to be there. So every time you mention these creators, I think of which one I want commissions from. Mm -hmm. Glenn Fabry and uh, who else was going to be at the... Uh, Asad Ribic. Asad Ribic. I do want a Ribic, so... Right. He's cheap, though. Only thousands of dollars. Oh, that... If, well, you know what, I think it's next week, we'll have to, t you know, it's coming up next week, I think, or the week after, uh, that Italian con that Jim Lee is doing his uh, sketch deal at. Right, and I think, I don't know, he's streaming on his Twitter sketches, and I don't know if these are the sketches that he's streaming, so we'll have to see. Right, so we'll talk more about what uh, you and I postulated, more so you and I agreed, uh, what the future could be for these big... Uh, name artists and what they're going to be mm. doing with their uh, their sketches going forward. Right. Uh, but also this weekend is the Steel City Comic Con in Pittsburgh. Now, it seems as though Steel City does like a, almost like a quarterly convention. And if they do, good for them. Right. So uh, the big name guest that I saw here that I, I thought would interest you, Todd, Gary Busey is going to be there. Oh, Juicy Gary Busey. Right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and Alice Cooper is going to be there. Oh, yes. Alice Cooper. I met him. We're good buddies. Have a picture with him. You're, maybe you should just pop down to Pittsburgh this weekend and just uh, say, hey, Frank, what's going on, brother? Shoot names. Isn't that his uh, real first name, Kayfabe? No. No, it's not. His real first name is Vincent. Vincent. Why did I think it was Vincent. Frank? Uh, Frank Stallone, maybe? Um, Vincent Furnier, I'm not sure how to say his last name. And uh, he's addicted, according to Neil Gaiman, and when I was on his tour bus, is addicted to uh, Diet 7-Up. Could be a lot worse than he could be addicted to, Todd. <laughs> that is true. He's part of the Hollywood vampires. Oh, boy. Uh, anyway. So, uh, and again, I, I, well, never mind. I'm not going to make any remarks uh, in regards to... Uh, Anybody else that's at there at that convention of what they may or may not have been addicted to. Oh, uh, but all the links to these conventions and more can be in the show notes for this episode, along with links to the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, at soon to be named network.tumblr.com as well. Anytime anyone in our little network of shows puts out a show, uh, or they are on another show and they remind me, we've been trying to do some stuff, trying to get more people connected with the Tumblr, and, uh, Tumblr is a fickle mistress, Todd. <laughs> really? I need to get you on this. I, I got to be on the Tumblr. You got to. You got to. It's a tech issue. You're a tech guy, right? That is true. I will be all over that. <laughs> right. Fixed in no time. I know how to turn flak files into MP3s. Oh, you do. Yes. Hopefully, it's a legal way to do things. It is. It is. When I was recording through flak. Um, Aflac uh, titles. I turned them into MP3s for my my thing. It's the music I'm making. Don't worry about it. 
So, uh, whether it be this show, whether it be Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Everlasting Minute, Podvocacy, Puzzle Warriors 3, who are going to have the uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest developers on this week. So, if you have any uh, questions for them, I think you have to do something with this chord or that chord. I'm not really sure which chord you have to use, but something. If you know what that means, you know how to do it. Uh, profane Arguments. Now, Todd, there was an episode of... Uh, Prodigal Sons podcast that was recorded last Monday mm-hmm. that has still yet to be released. Oh, or Escape? Oh, boy. And <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that I would say uh, in regards to this, but I'm not gonna. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with that podcast, but if and when that episode ever comes out, it'll be over at longboxheroes.com or soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. Give me two seconds here. It's thinking. Okay. They're allegedly on a bi-weekly schedule, but that doesn't mean when the shows actually come out. Right. So, digital sales and freebies, Todd. Uh, there's a bunch of sales going on, of course. I don't know why Marvel is allowing all of their books to be sold for such a low price. I know a guy who has a theory, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, so Marvel's got a couple sales going on. As mentioned, they have the, um, you know, a bunch of collections that are on sale from 99 cents. Uh, they're also having a sale on Gardens of the Galaxy and Iron Man stuff. Uh, may I recommend getting the entire Abnett and Landing run of Gardens of the Galaxy for less than $15? <laughs> wow. And may I also recommend uh, getting the classic Demon in a Bottle storyline for $4, or getting the entire Brian Michael Bendis run for uh, under $10. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I mentioned this, of course, you know, uh, Marvel mentioned in their retailer summit, and I got to find out what the other companies do. Um, you know, obviously Marvel said, you know, we're not the ones who make decisions on what gets put on sale or whatever, whatever. So DC's sale this week. Uh, is Road to 1000, Action Comics number 1000, right? Mm-hmm. Todd, you think it would just be easy to put all 1,000 issues of Action Comics up on your sale, dust off your hands and say, easy peasy lemon squeezy? No. You'd be wrong, Todd. I'm often wrong, but anyway. Okay, so how about the current run uh, from Rebirth? Uh, so again, you know, anytime Rebirth stuff is on sale, I always like to mention it because it doesn't happen very often or at all. Uh, the entire New 52 run. Okay. And then after that, eh, maybe about 300 assorted issues of the other 800 issues of Action Comics. Maybe they didn't get it done scanning all the issues yet. <laughs> I don't know, Todd. They got a, They got one guy in a room, it's not and like, he has 700 <laughs> issues of action to scan yet. All right, I'll say, maybe hire a second guy, or girl, and it's not like this issue 1000 snuck up on them. Well, it kind of did, um, because they were they the rebirth numbering threw them all off, and they're like, ah, oh, we're back to one, we're good for 999 issues. What, we're renumbering? Oh, oh. They didn't know. They only had a few few months. That's the way I look at it. 
So, uh, you know, you can pick and choose through some of the stuff there. The, um, the weekly stuff is in there. I have convergence stuff in there, whatever, whatever. I'm just trying to look through, like, the weird assorted issues, you know? Right. Just to see if there's anything of note. But again, because it's just action comics, there's, you know, weird stuff in there. Uh, but there's a lot of jumping around that they do in the sale. I don't know, they say the new, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the new Rebirth stuff has been really good, and I think Todd might attest to that, yes? Uh, what, action? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I only read the last couple issues before 1,000 because, uh, Booster Gold showed up. But I'm tr- I'm, I'm gonna try the Brian Michael Bendis stuff, so... Mm-hmm. Now, my only concern with a lot of this is a lot of the action comic stuff that's on sale, and obviously I understand it's action comic stuff, um, but a lot of it is from the time in the early to mid-90s during the diamond numbering. Oh, so you'll only have you'll get a one fourth, quarter of the story. Yeah, you'll get a fourth of seven years of a Superman story. It's, it's Superman fourth world stories. Because oh. it's only a fourth. Okay. Of their world. That they're telling the stories. Oh. You want me to stop now? No. I'm and now I'm mad, Todd. You think I you think I was irrationally and um mad for no reason regarding the the parentage of Damien? Which we're not done with yet, but go ahead. Right. Hey, someone who makes these decisions on what books to sell or not sell, mm-hmm. give me a call. Okay. I can put these things together for you and tell you what books you should put together or not put together. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. That's all. So, uh, the links to all these sales, uh, a bunch of other sales are happening as well. IDW has got Judge Dredd stuff. Now, the one thing that I want to mention, we're spending a lot of time on the digital sales for somebody who is not upset but questioning digital comic books. <laughs> okay. Uh, Astro City is on sale. And it's the entire run of Astro City, because I think either Astro City just ended, or it's getting ready to wrap up. Right, but then they're going to do, uh, I guess, he Kurt Busiek announced that they're going to do Astro City kind of like just graphic novels now, instead of individual issues. Okay. And there may be rumors of an Astro City pilot being licensed. Ah, oh, there you go. So... Uh, so I could say this, um, the, you know, the first six issues, that was that mini-series, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, if you want to go, let's say... I know where, where the good stuff ends. Um, you got, like, the, the first, like, 12 or 13 issues? I'd say when you hit the Steeljack story, that's the last good one. Yeah, Steeljack starts with issue 14, so that's what I'm saying. So... Uh, first six issues are great. Next, uh, four or five issues are really, really good. Then you get into the Confessor storyline, and the Confessor storyline is mm-hmm. really good. Right. Yeah. Favorite thing with the Confessor. Doesn't that hurt? Oh. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yes. Great, great story. So, again, I, uh, I recommend, uh... Astro City as well. But like I said, all this stuff will be in the links to the show notes. The freebies mm-hmm. have not changed or have nothing new has been added to it. And I'm do you know, since Marvel, uh, obviously they're not the ones who make those decisions. Uh, 
Comicsology is just giving away Marvel books for free without checking with Marvel. Right. Uh, I'm being more dil- diligent to check which ones are and are not. So, Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you start things off with the uh, aforementioned uh, maybe to be malign Deathstroke number 30. Right. Written by Christopher Priest and drawn by Carlo Pagulin. Nailed I it. Nailed it. But uh, this is the beginning of the uh, six-part story of who's Damien's father. Um, I Before I get into this book, I was a really big fan of the Christopher Priest Deathstroke run in Rebirth. And then they made it a group book with a team. He had a team. I remember he had like the re- the the Rebirth Wally West on there, and there was a couple other characters. Um, and I didn't enjoy it because it started off with like, hey, read Teen Titans and read this book and read, and I'm like, ooh, a crossover. I'm out. Um, and the, the, the idea of this book brought me back in. And I'm like, if this is good, this is going to sell well. And I really enjoyed this book. The, basically, the premise of the book is um, Batman gets a call that a bank has been broken into and a bunch of safety deposit boxes were stole, were, were robbed. And in one of those boxes was a file that they find and Commissioner Gordon gives it to Batman. And basically the file says is that Damien is actually Deathstroke's son, a, D, a DNA test. So Batman decides to, you know, check out the people who had this file in his safety deposit box. But he's like, eventually I have to go to Deathstroke. So there's a bunch of stuff with the, the people who were involved in the robbery. But then he goes to see Deathstroke to question him. They get in a fight. Um, the most polite way to put it is they get into a measuring contest, if you will. Mm, because a they sword start... measuring contest. Exactly, because they're beating each other up. And then finally, um, Batman just straight up asks him, and he's like, you know... Have you like slept with Talia? And he's like, he's like, I'm rich. I get around. Yeah, I did. Come on, that's not my kid. Everybody knows Damian Wayne is your kid. Basically, he says that, right? So now he's like, I don't know. We got to look into this. And he's like, I'm not looking into this. And he's like, I only allow you to be Deathstroke. You're only Deathstroke because I allow it. And he's like, well, I know who you are, too, so you're only Batman because I allow it. And in the end, it seems like they're going to go off and find out who uh, Damien's father actually is. They're going to look into this. But while that's going on, I'm not sure why. There's these little uh, snippets of talking to Jericho and also talking to Dick, a younger Dick Grayson, and they're describing their relationships with their fathers, Bruce and Deathstroke. And also in the book, we get to see Wintergreen, who is Deathstroke's uh, right-hand man, kind of his Alfred. And Alfred, that uh, we find out that they, over the years, meet up in this bar and discuss soccer. In depth, by the way, way too in depth, discuss soccer. And discuss their relationships with their uh, adoptive sons. So there's a lot of, like parentage uh talk in this with where they went wrong where they went right and then you have dick grayson discussing what bruce means to him and what jericho what deathstroke means to jericho and overall i really like this issue and i think with the buzz of being what it is is who is damien's father on top of that add this book was really good 
I think this is going to be something that's going to, you know, this six issue run is at least going to have legs because when you, when it's good and hot, those are two things that like, you know, comic book fans love. Now, Todd, I'll have to say this. Um, I may have to go back and edit my previous lamenting because the way that you describe that makes it sound super interesting and a super mm-hmm. cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't agree with the logic behind it of them just saying like, yeah, after all these years, we're just going to say that he has a different uh, father. But this sounds like a really good storyline. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know, I'm telling you, I enjoyed it. I recommend picking it up before it... I honestly think this is going to be something, and I'm not saying speculate. I'm saying this is going to be something that's going to fly off the shelves eventually. When this when this gets better known, people are going to be going back and getting this first issue. Interesting. Right. I may buy you this issue at the comic shop later today. What you do with your money, Todd, is up to you. Uh, I, it's either this or photo ops for you. It's one or oh, the other. Oh boy! <laughs> I have no comment there. <laughs> right. So uh, the other book uh, that we both read from this past week was Batman number forty-four, uh, written by Tom King with art by Mikel Janine and the aforementioned Joel Jones. Um, so essentially, while Batman is sleeping. Catwoman uh, goes to break into a place to steal herself a wedding dress for Mm -hmm. her pending nuptials to old Batsy there. And Mm -hmm. while doing so, she's reminiscing on the entire 70-plus year comic book history of the Batman-Catwoman relationship and Mm -hmm. how it's changed. And a lot of there's questions coming up of why it's changing. Not questions that Catwoman's asking aloud, or not questions that Batman is asking, because he sleeps throughout most of this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but more so the way that these flashbacks are presented to us, the reader, is maybe to put some sort of doubt in our head that there's a reason that they change. Right. That Batman and Catwoman's relationship is not like poetry and that it does not rhyme mm-hmm. uh i really like this book uh i've been you know with the tom king batman stuff since the beginning you know as we mentioned before in the previous news discussion uh the catwoman relationship was something that i've finally come around to i like this story todd has some sort of theory in regards to this issue as well Right, yes. Because basically, wouldn't you agree Batman would not be happy with Catwoman blasting a hole in the bottom of a wedding dress store, stealing a tens of thousands of dollars wedding dress for her wedding, and then like just like leaving it as is? Like, don't you think that'd be something Batman is against? Unless it was from a no, uh, unless it was from a store that he knew was evil. Mm-hmm. Or, or something that he, as Bruce Wayne, already owned. So he yes. kind of sort of knew that these, whether Catwoman know, whether Selena knows that these are owned by Bruce or not, Bruce knows that they're owned by Bruce. So he's not going to care that Catwoman does these sort of things. If this is what she needs to do to blow off steam, how mm-hmm. different is her doing this on his dime any different than him? going and having a sword-measuring contest with Deathstroke on his own dime. 
Right. Here's the way I look at it. I was rereading this comic, and I'm holding it in my hand. She's holding the price tag of the dress, which is $28,000, and I'm looking at the, the, the tag, and it's like this something, so, the He JJ collection, but it looks like there's a symbol above it that obviously is the price tag from the store that they, they have, and it looks like a W. I think she's robbing a Wayne store, so she's robbing from Bruce. So who's she hurting? Nobody. Right. So if she's robbing from Bruce, and like you said, if the damage she's done stealing a dress is nothing compared to the damage Bruce does on a nightly basis in Gotham. And I'd really like to see, I wonder if this is going to be played up. First of all, I wonder if I'm right. Second of all, I'm wondering if it's, it's ever going to be, if I am right, if it's ever going to be mentioned. But I kind of like that this being my theory, it's that it's Bruce's, sto- like, Wayne Foundations, whatever you call it these days, store. And she's just like, eh, I robbed from him. It's all good. He can fix it. Nobody got hurt. Um, it's all good. I don't know. That's my theory on it, that it's Bruce Wayne's store. Right, and that's not the worst thing in the world. But I'm, I, did you pick up on the flashback stuff with them addressing or at least getting us the reader to think that there's something going on here that they've changed to this point i kind of get it and i'm wondering if that has something to do with uh dr manhattan and this watchman stuff it Mm -hmm. may tie in that like you know we've talked about uh, how things are changing in the dc like someone we see a lot of it with Superman, that especially that somebody changed stuff. And we've been hinted at uh, the button in this issue. I'm wondering if maybe that's the route that they're going. But, you know, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to jump on my theory first. Now, I, again, I, I just want to say this as we're discussing. Spitballing. I'm basing this on nothing. Um, what if this is, it all gets revealed to be something involving Batmite? Oh, people will go crazy. <laughs> that, 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 that's just that's that's the equivalent of making this a dream. That's that really is. I mean, that is the equivalent of changing someone's whole parentage. Well, what is is the person behind the change of a, par- a parentage a fanciful imp in an ill-fitting mm-hmm. Batman costume <laughs> with a broken bat ear that's right. like flopped over? If that's the reveal. That it's not really Doctor Man, like the one who's been pulling Doctor Manhattan strings. Oh my god! Everything I think has been Batmite and Mitchell P- Mister Missile Pitalik, where essentially this just becomes a very long, drawn out episode of Batman Brave of the Bold. I'm okay oh. with this. I would love it to be. You know what? If it was actually Batmite that was doing all this, and and Mister Mixel Pitalik, however you say his name, uh. Ooh, boy. I'd want to hate that. In, in the hands of certain writers who are very famous on Batman, I would, I would lose my, uh, collective stuff, if you know what I mean. Right. But Tom King doing it and Jeff Johns, I'd be like, all right, bring it on. Bring it on. If I had more time on my hands, I would go back and reread the entire Tom King run to look to see if there were clues. Mm-hmm. Because that's the sort of guy Tom King is. Oh yeah, that's he loves. He goes to that Alan Moore school of writing. Oh, but I'm a lazy, lazy man, Roger. <laughs> uh, do you know what I might be doing this week? What, Todd? Rereading Batman. <laughs> oh, I'll be working and sleeping. Mm, I'll be sleeping, not working, and reading Batman. 
So, that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, uh, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them mailed to your home, whether you wait for the trades, the oversized hardcover, you wait for everything to go on sale for 99 cents, however it is that you wait for your books, know what's coming out, know when it's going to be available, no surprises, go over to the poll post, the two things that Todd and I are doing this year is one, the thing that we always do attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week, I'm still in the lead by one, we'll see how that goes at the end of this segment, and two is keeping that running dollar tally amount of the books that we've purchased, and as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I think Todd is going to lap me here soon. Yes. And by that, I mean, like, get, like, a full $100 up on me. I think it may happen. Because uh, right now, you're about 50 and change above me. Oh, like, almost 60 above me. And I know <laughs> that the Preacher Absolute is coming out in, like, two weeks. Oh, boy. So, I started the show. I have to ask, looking at your list. Mm-hmm. What is the dead hand? That is a like a spy story about uh, the spy finds something in in Russia and brings it back. I don't know much about it. I read the preview of it, and it's Kyle Higgins, the guy who did um, the Nightwing in Rebirth, the beginning of Nightwing in Rebirth, and I can't think of what the other thing he was that I that I recently read, where it was kind of like a like a Watchmen esque like early version of superheroes in this in this fictional city for image can't remember what it was called but it was really good Mm -hmm. um so i i found out that that was coming this was coming out this week so i threw it on my list interesting Mm -hmm. was it cowl was cowl the thing you were that was it and it was a uh like c period o period w like what do you call that an anagram uh, sure. Yeah, that that's what it was, yes. Right. So, I'm going to guess the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Thanos 18? It is Thanos 18. Booyah! Because that is, if I'm correct, the final issue of Thanos, isn't it? That is the last issue of Thanos by Donny Cates, that's correct. Right, and I don't think there's a 19 by anybody else. No. Right, he's, okay, I'm just making sure that you would know better than me. I do know better than you. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm looking over your list, and I have a couple of questions. All right. Detective Comics, no number? Is there something I should that know about? That was a glitch on my end. It's the same Detective Comics thing that you're getting. All right. What's Brothers Dracul? It is uh, a similar book that Cullen Bunn is doing for Aftershock. He did the Unholy Grail book, where it's like kind of like that different take on, you know, the Knights of the Round Table, the Dark Ark, kind of the different story on uh, Noah and the Ark. This is a different take on uh, Vlad the Impaler. Okay. But is, and I just question on it, is it actually Dracul or is it Brothers Dracula? No, it's actually the way it's spelled there is the way that the book is titled. Not a problem. But I think actually the book that you were looking forward to most, Mr. Joe Sposto, is Dom I Know Number One. You are correct, sir. Uh, Domino mm-hmm. Number One. 
Uh, I don't know nothing about no domino, mm-hmm. but I do know something about Gail Simone. And when this book was announced, uh, we had discussed that this was Gail Simone's first work at Marvel uh, in something almost like 15 years or something crazy mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so I like Gail Simone. Uh, she could do fun comic books, and I got some hope that this will be a fun one, so I'm very much looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. I think it's really about the Van Morrison song. Whoa, Domino. That's all I got. Todd, who sings that song? Van Morrison. You know why he does? So you don't have to. That's right. There you go. Uh, so, Todd, I don't see that we had any art attacks this week. All we had was a cake. A cake? Yeah, Euronymous two days ago sent in a Afterlife with Archie uh, Jughead zombie cake. Why am I not seeing that on the Twitter? Because he doesn't have the hashtag. I think you have to go to... Uh, Todd's art attack. Uh, oh, I didn't re- retweet it. And you, I just that's retweeted. Why? You didn't retweet it, you, you, you goon, you knuckle beak. <laughs> you knuckle beak. But it's just been retweeted, so now you can find it, Joe. Okay. And it says, screwed the pooch on vacation and didn't take an art photo, so digging through old files. Cake is art, though, right? One of my best friend makes cakes on the side. This was during the afterlife with Archie Midnight premiere. So we have a cake, Joe. Right. That is pretty cool. I blame you and Euronymous. He was probably having fun in some place like New Orleans or something. Oh, Nola? Watch it. Don't say that. Watch what? professional wrestling. Okay. Uh, so, yes, thank you, everyone. Uh, if you have any art of any kind, uh, really cool that he put that cake in there because cake is art. I have to say that, even though my wife is probably sleeping as we record this. Uh, art you've done yourself, art that you've had commissioned, art that you've purchased, pages of art that you've bought, whatever it is, make sure to include Todd's Art Attack in there, and we'll uh, make sure to share your cool stuff with all the people that listen and follow us. Mm-hmm. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, as I uh, neglected to mention there, as I'm doing things a little out of order, um, you know, you can find everything that Todd and I have ever done on the internet over there, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, uh, last year's smash sensation of Todd and Joe have issues, uh, past pull posts, all that stuff is going to be there. Uh, the pre-order for the enamel pins is still in effect. I did just, uh, reach out to the pin guy the other day and, uh, they're pressing them as we speak. So they'll be here any day now. Uh, we are doing a pre-order special that if you get a pin and a shirt together for a limited time, whatever that limited time will be, you'll save like three or four bucks, and you'll also save on shipping as well. Yes. Uh, so if you want one of our fancy shirts with the logo on it, you want one of the pins, of course, and as soon as those pins are in my hand, or as soon as they send me a picture of the finished product, we're going to share it with the rest of you guys so you can see what they look like. Uh, but you don't want a shirt, you don't want a pin, you don't want stickers, I don't know why you wouldn't want any of those things. Amazon has pretty much everything else in the world that you could possibly want. If you use our Amazon banner across the top of our homepage, longboxheroes.com, we get a little bit of a kickback. They call it an advertising fee. I call it money that makes Todd happy at the end of the month. Cha-ching! Some of the notable purchases uh, through the uh, Amazon click-through this past week is someone purchased a Bissell multi-purpose portable carpet and upholstery cleaner. Uh, someone also purchased two different Caesar Milan audiobooks 
of how to understand and correct common dog problems. Ooh. Who is the cat version of C like who's the Caesar Milan of cats? Selena Kyle. There well, being that she's not real, if you know, listening to this show, who the Caesar Milan of cats is, let us know so we could uh find that person and I could direct my wife to them. <laughs> now to me, someone purchased uh I obviously it's the same person who purchased these two things, but with a caveat that I have to question. Uh, after my own heart, someone purchased the video game compilation of the SN, SNK Arcade Classics and the Namco Museum 50th Anniversary. I'm a sucker for getting one game, cartridge, disc, whatever, of a ton of old games on it. That's right up my alley. I'm an old man. I like old games. Mm-hmm. But this person purchased these two items... For the PlayStation 2. Nothing wrong with that. I, 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 I'd I like to know who's still buying PlayStation 2 games in 2018. Because I'd like to shake your hand and thank you very much for purchasing through us. I have a PlayStation 3 that still plays PlayStation 2 games. When was the, what was the last PlayStation 2... When was the last PlayStation 2 game you purchased? Um... I don't know, about five years ago. Okay. When they were putting out PlayStation, there was uh, Grand Theft Auto uh, games that were on, like, the handheld, the PSP. Oh, okay. And they were like, let's put them out for the PS2 because people will buy them. And I, I was like, I will buy them. And it was probably longer than that, but everything was five years ago to me, so. Everything is not five years ago. Some things are, like, two years ago. Right. So again, thank you to everyone who purchased anything through the Amazon click through. It makes uh, me happy and it makes Todd happy, of course, as well. Um, moving along, uh, looking at the list of things, Todd's art attack, TV talk. I think it's time for some TV talk. All right. So let's start with Krypton as that's the older of the two uh, episodes that we watched. Mm -hmm. Close, Um, strong. I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this was the third episode, I think? Yes. And this was... The stuff with Brainiac is really starting to finally move here. Right. Um, They find... They, uh, Adam Strange and Seg, find one of the Brainiac sentries, but it's empty. Now they have to find where that went, uh, but it went into one of their friends. And mm-hmm. uh, what is the re- the redhead girl with the little girl, the redhead woman with the little girl, whose name I forget. I forget too because I'm trying to learn these Kryptonian names, Ugh. and they're and they're not character. Like when you watch a show about like a characters you know, you're like, okay, that's you know that's Wally West, that's Iris, that's like uh, all the characters that I know. But these are characters they're making up for the show, so I have to still learn them. Right. So they're trying to find where this is. Of course, this woman is now pres- <laughs> possessed by Brainiac who is trying to get into the Kryptonian records for some reasons. Uh, Seg stops her with, like, an EMP pulse grenade, but also by trying to relate to her uh, sense of being a person of what she used to be. Uh, They stop 
what Brainiac is doing or what the Sentry is doing. She seems to be in a coma. They bring her back to the makeshift Fortress of Solitude, where Hologram Grandfather is there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the while, everyone mistrusts everyone else. Right, which is the way it should be like right. on Game of Thrones. I mean, Krypton. Oh, boy. Now, not being a Game of Thrones person and you saying that, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, is that essentially what this is? It is. It, it, they are stealing a page out of it where it's the houses and they're trying, like, you know, you merge houses by marriage, which is something that they're doing. And, you know, there's the, 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 the people who, you know, are beneath all the houses and the, the, the weak and the, you know, the, the poor. Um, and I think they are trying to go for a Game of Thrones feel, but it's not like when you have a show that's a 10, it, and you say you're going to be a part of it, you better hit. And this show isn't coming close to what that is, if that makes any sense. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like saying, oh, that's going to be the next Sandman. And then you're like, oh, we put out this book and it's, it's okay. It's just, it doesn't work. But, um, I'm enjoying it. And then there's, uh, there's a plot going on with Lita or Lita Zod taking over and she's going to, she's going to go in and get out the terrorists out of the rankless and she's going to do it nicely. But naturally the rest of her army people don't do it nicely uh, I like that. Uh, and then there was a, uh, was there a third plot line with the, with the daughter, the one who, the vexes? No. Well, there's yes. constantly something right. going on with them and the, uh, living tribunal person. Right. Well, I want to know who that is mm-hmm. because I think that's going to be some, someone we recognize. The only problem I have with this episode is, the moment when Seg goes to help the lady who's who's been reprogrammed by Brainiac, and he has the I'm going to call it the EMP grenade that destroys like electronics, and it won't hurt her. Just do the electronic stuff, and he walks in and he has the grenade and he stops and he talks to her, and I'm like, you have a grenade that you're 99% sure is going to shut her down. Don't talk. Don't do anything. Push the button and roll that bad boy in there. He doesn't. He walks in. He's like, hey, what are you doing? They turn around and she attacks him, almost kills him, has to do the emotional tug at the heartstrings like, your child still loves you. And and she kind of lets the, the Brainiac control slip. He's able to refine the grenade and do the thing he should have done right from the beginning. And I'm like, all pointless. All, all for drama that doesn't work. Um, but otherwise, all the other stuff that's going on and Brainiac showing up and how much like they actually kind of put into the budget for this show when they do the space scenes and stuff like that. Um, I'm like, I, this third episode kind of made me want to stay around. I, w- I was iffy for the first two, but now I want to really see where it goes. Right, I know uh, it sounds like we're kind of like, eh, on it, but I think a lot of it is just because we're trying to keep everyone's names straight in our head. Yes, that's, uh, it's hard to explain a show when you're like that, when you're pronouns palling it all over the place. Right, because outside of Seg and Adam Strange, you know, we're we're trying. I need to just take better notes, I think. I really do. Too. I, you know what I want to do? I want to keep that uh, World of Krypton comic around that has the houses in the Oh, back. boy. 
the free one that they were giving out, that might that might help. Yeah. So. Uh, so it's good. I'm still sticking with it. I don't like. They haven't done anything to make me hate it. That's right. I was almost off it, so I was almost crypt off, not crypt on. Ugh. <laughs> what? Nothing. So, Todd, you mentioned it. Save the best for last. The main event, however you want to say it. <laughs> <sighs> Should I check my arm clock? Todd, I, I have to ask you, Todd. What time is it? It is wig o'clock, baby. The last wig o'clock for a while. Mm-hmm. So at least until September, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, <laughs> this is the season finale of Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, they uh, bring Malice together, Malice, which we find out that his name is Malice, but they just mm-hmm. decide not to call him that after calling him Malice for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think that by drawing him out, they'll be able to defeat him with the totems. That doesn't work. So they get the good idea to run away to the blind spot in the Old West so they can go hang out. And, uh, uh, uh what's her face? Zari can make eyes at way too handsome Jonah Hex. Mm, in the temporal blind spot. Right, in the temporal bl- blind spot. But somehow the temporal blind spot they're found there. Because now all of the past villains over the past season all show up, and they all have the squiggly lines on their face, uh, like uh, Nora did. Mm-hmm. And they essentially say, turn over the totems to us, we'll give you until high noon, what are we going to do? We're going to use this time to try to figure out how to use the totems together as one, as opposed to all six of us using the totems individually, because uh, Ray and Amaya tripped on some mushrooms to figure this out. Not Ray. Uh, 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 what's this? Nate. Steve, Nate. Right. Nate and Amaya trip on some mushrooms to figure this out. Hi, <laughs> Nate. That's right. The first time they do it doesn't quite go as planned. <laughs> And then the second time they do it, they just rip off the ending of Ghostbusters. What? Um, so, Todd, there's a yes. lot more stuff that happened in this. That's just kind of, that's your fishbone skeleton of what happened on Legends of Tomorrow uh, this past uh, episode. So let's get into it. All right. First of all, I just want to get the Jonah Hex elephant out of the room. All right. As a Jonah Hex fan. Um, I'm really starting to not, I like the actor's portrayal of like the actor they have playing Jonah Hex. I'm fine with, you know, the extra handsome on the, the handsome side of his face, but, um, like out of character, he's not mean enough and Jonah Hex would never become a sheriff. Never, never in a million years and over, I'm trying to think like, like 200 issues of Jonah Hex that I've read. He has never put a badge on. Um, he's a bounty hunter, doesn't believe in the, like, being the law. So I'm kind of like, man, I just, I, I can't like what you're doing with Jonah Hex. So that out there, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying Legends of Tomorrow's Jonah Hex, not my Jonah Hex. Um, but other than that, uh, the episode, I love, like, the, uh, infinity totems. I mean, uh, the, the, the totem what? collection. Uh, they have to get together and use it, uh, to, to 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 destroy it, and I like when they just they test it out and they make that um, Anton Arcane unmen that, that they make there that they have to burn alive. I'm like, oh, that was that was kinda, 
that was something like super dark and super <laughs> disgusting, and mm-hmm. they play it for laughs. I know. You know why? Because I... it's Legend of Tomorrow, everybody. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Speaking of a dark turn, dark oh. turns good in this by swapping himself out for his daughter, mm-hmm. and he becomes Malice, 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 Malice. Um, because, uh, that there had the timeline had to be restored apparently. So I did like, uh, Dark sacrificing himself to, to save his daughter. Um, then they put out a call into the ether for people and they get Jackson, um, fake Wonder Woman. And who else did they get? There was a third person. Well, that's, uh, what's that? Uh, Helen of Troy that they, didn't, Fake Wonder Woman. Right. They didn't bring back to her time. They brought back to Themyscira. Yeah. Uh, Ava. Yes, Ava was the other one that shows up. Right. So you have them, and then you had them against uh, Leif Erikson's sister, <laughs> Fake Jack Sparrow, and uh, who was the... Julius the Caesar. Julius Caesar, yes. So that was interesting to to see that. And then I like that they murdered everybody in their army, but they all came back to life and everything was okay again. So there was no execution from this episode. It seemed like everybody survived and went home afterwards. Uh, I'm trying to think of the... Oh, and Rip sacrifices himself. And I honestly... Yeah, that happens like before the first commercial. Right. I honestly (laughs) thought when they were using the totems... To, to build the thing that was going to defeat uh, Malice, that it was going to be Rip. Do you know what I mean? So, you know what? I kind of did. Like, it was going to be, like, Rip with superpowers or something. Right. He was just going to be, like, not so much Rip, but the uh, illusion of Rip. You yeah. know? Like, like he was going to he was gonna bring it to a close. He had sacrificed himself. And had sacrificed yourself as much as you can in a show about time travel where people come back from the dead in the other, you know, episodes that tie into it all the time. So we'll see, but they use the, uh, oh, they use the, uh, amulets to make the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man the purest thing they could think of, Bebo. And we get possibly the greatest battle in the history of live action superhero anything. I don't care what Winter Soldier versus Captain America. I don't care. Not this good. Zoom Flash. Not this good. Reverse Flash. Flash. Not this good. Thanos versus everybody. Not as good as Bebo versus Malice. One of the greatest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I will agree with you. Mm-hmm. Because one. I'm glad that I did not look at the episode title of this week's episode. What was it? The Good, the Bad, and the Cuddly. Oh, that's fantastic. Because that might have tipped off what this was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the effects on Giant Bebo were way better than they sh- they could or should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, except when they would do the few close-ups of Mollus's face. Right. I thought the special effects on Mollus were really good as well. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there was a lot of wrestling moves. Oh, I was thinking the same thing. It, when when he pop up powerbomb. Right. <laughs> so 
I really thought the fight was good, even though there were no quote-unquote real stakes to it, because it was just like an imaginary Tickle Me Elmo knockoff against Mm -hmm. Tim Curry's demon thing from Legend fighting each other, while everyone just kind of stood in the background and cheered on. Bebo, you gotta cheer on. I'm mad Bebo didn't gig himself. (laughs) That would have been what I wanted to say. So, Bebo uh, takes... Mollus up, gives him like a big giant, I guess, rock bottom, I guess. Disintegrates him into dust and fluff. That's the Bebo fluff. Right, that's the Bebo fluff. We assume they're both dead. The good guys win. Epilogue, we all get to celebrate on a soundstage. I mean, the Bahamas. Mm hmm. <laughs> and uh, Heatwave is mad because everyone else is there horning in on his racket. Because I know when I go to the beach, Todd. Mm-hmm. And this is this is true. I like to wear long pants and layers. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But on top of that, they also let uh, Dark's daughter go. Ray gave her the stone so she could she won't be in prison. So I think we'll see her in the future. Mm-hmm. But yes, and then Aruba, where Mick wanted to go this whole time, and I guess the show is over, right? No, no wait. <laughs> Because John <laughs> right. Constantine shows up. Right. And they blow the budget right here. This is where they blow the budget, Joe. And Gary because... <laughs> from the Time Bureau is dressed up as John Constantine wearing the same wig that John Constantine wore in other episodes mm-hmm. for his very own uh, way overtly blonde hair. Yes. Doesn't he actually say, is the wig too much? Yes, he says, is the wig too much? Again, for like the second or third episode in a row, Mm -hmm. they actually come through and mention the wig work in the show. They they are on to us, Joe. Oh, Todd. This show is unbelievable. It is. It was a. It was probably one of the greatest finales of. It probably. If this had been the series finale, it would have been better than Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen from Mash. But uh, it, it it killed me. But when they like when they're like you know hey love and he's like is that John he's like no but did I fool you and it's Gary in the wig I'm like there's nothing I want to be on the I want to be on the couch next to Joe watching this as it happens live because there's nothing better than I know you nothing better for you than Gary because Gary's the wig lover uh a bad wig lover and like I said the only thing worse the only thing worse than a bad wig is a bad wig lover is is all that and I'm like Joe Joe's going crazy and then I see the tweet and I'm like oh yeah he hit it he got it he's there oh such a good episode well, we just got a tweet, too, as we're doing I, this. I was going to say, as we're recording this, uh, Mega Ultra Mass Power Listener of the Show, Wednesday Comics, with an X, tweeted at us saying, kudos to Agent Gary of the Wig Council, <laughs> now that there's no longer a wool council. And that's a deep cut for the dumb references we make on this show, let alone the deep references that this dumb show makes. And I think this dumb show, Legends of Tomorrow, undubitably, Todd, the best comic book TV show on TV, hands down. You can take your flashes, you can take your your Agents of Shields and everything else. This 
18 episodes, stuff from episode 1 paid off in episode 18, no joke about it being poetry and it rhymed, it looked as though they had a story with a beginning, middle, and end and actually got to tell it. Mm-hmm. Wigs and all. Oh, so that makes me very happy. Me too. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes. Great way to end out the season. I will miss you for the next five months. Me too. And I guess that would be all, right? I got nothing else. I'm constantly being bothered while we do the show, so excuse me. You're bothered by everything, though, Joe. Mm-hmm. All right, so for Todd, this is Joe closing out episode 393 of Longbox Heroes, and we will catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. <laughs>